These guys on stage did have any breath left to sing. I feel like I'm out of breath, and I've just been on the, on the sides there. But we, uh, you know, you probably noticed a bit today as well. Uh, There's kind of theme running through uh, of, of what makes us happy and what makes us joyful. And we're kind of celebrating that at Christmas because, you know, we, we have this, this great gift that can make us joyful no matter what. And, and the Bible always talks about this idea of, of rejoicing. In fact, we're going to read a, a Bible verse together. And uh, in this verse, this, I love this verse because no matter how old you are here today, if you're a, a child, if you're a parent of a child, if you're a grandparent, whatever stage of life you're in, this is a verse that, that we all need to hear from time to time. And we're reminded why this is possible. And so this verse comes from Philippians 4.4. 4. In fact, let's all read it together. If you can read, everybody who can read, uh, little ones, big ones, if you can read, let's read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. When should we rejoice? Always. That's right. You know, you know it's serious when, when some of the Bible has to say, listen, and so you don't miss this. I'm going to say it twice. You know, I will rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And this is the thing, you know, all these songs we sing about having joy, it's all possible because we rejoice in the Lord. And we can do the same. Now, the challenge of this verse is this one little word, always. Always. Rejoice, Lord. It's easy sometimes to rejoice in the Lord. It's easy when you wake up Christmas morning and you got the exact Ninja Turtle you were hoping for or whatever. I know that makes it easy for me, you know. Uh, you know, Michelangelo, in case you're wondering. But, you know, uh, you know, always. And, and adults, we get this as well, don't we? There's some days you don't feel like it. In fact, I want to read you a story because... It's this great idea, you know, to rejoice in the Lord always, but sometimes it's challenging when you have certain days. In fact, so I thought I'd read you guys a story. Is that all right? This is a story. Some of you might know this story, and no matter how old you are, this story will speak to you about what some days are like. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. How many people know this story? Now a major motion picture. Um, <laughs> So I thought I'd read you a story and you just listen because you know what, some days, this is what some days are like. And you can translate it to your particular stage of life, but you know exactly what these days are like. Alexander wakes up and he says, and so I'll read it and you can, you can catch up there because this book's not big enough. I went to sleep with gum in my mouth and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. I mean, I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box, and Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box, but my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. <laughs> Disappointment. So he says, I think I'll move to Australia. <laughs> you see, kids, Alexander lived in the cold, desolate land of the United States of America. And when things went wrong, he knew there was only one thing that could make it better, to move to Australia. And we don't have that option. We're already here. <laughs> this is actually how I got to Australia. Anyway. <laughs> Autobiography. Anyway, uh, in the carpool, 
Mrs. Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Audrey and Elliot got seats by the window too. I said I was being scrunched. I said I was being smushed. I said if I don't get a seat by the window, I'm gonna be car sick. No one even answered. I could tell it was gonna be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, Mrs. Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the castle. At singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell. It was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul said I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend and that Albert Moyo was his next best friend and that I was only his third best friend. You ever have that day like that? Oh boy, oh boy. I hope you sit on attack, I said to Paul. I hope the next time you get a double-decker strawberry ice cream cone, the ice cream part falls off the cone part and lands in Australia. <laughs> There were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag, and Albert got a Hershey bar. You see, this is another reason he was so sad. All he really wanted was a Cadbury bar. <laughs> With almonds. And Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top. Guess whose mother forgot to put in dessert? That is a rough day. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That is right. In fact... By the time he gets to dinner, he says, there were lima beans for dinner. And I hate limas. How many people don't like limas? Yeah, how many of you going, what is a lima? <laughs> you know, that's, here, here. I, uh, <laughs> there was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. How many of you are going, what's kissing? <laughs> My bath was too hot, I got soap in my eyes, my marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. <laughs> when I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. And the cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not me. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom says, some days are like that, even in Australia. <laughs> now this book is such a great story because we can all have had some of those days. And you know what? It's challenging on those days to rejoice. Because all the things that happen around us just feel like, oh, it just feels like it's all going so bad. And, and Alexander, I think, you know, what, what would the Bible say to Alexander? You know, Paul, who wrote those words, rejoice in the Lord always. What would he say to Alexander? What would he say to him? And you know what I think he'd say? I think he'd say, you know what, Alexander, even on days like this, when the marble goes down the drain and you're stuck in the middle of the carpool and there's no cupcakes in your lunch, would Paul say to him, it's okay to just be grumpy on those days, okay, just be bitter? No, he'd say rejoice, always, always. And he'd say, but wait a second, Paul, you don't understand. 
Uh, you don't know what my day has been like. You don't know. I, my friends are turning their backs on me. Everything has just gone wrong from the moment I got up. Paul, you don't understand. Do you know what's amazing about that story? When Paul wrote those words, rejoice in the Lord always, he wasn't having the best day ever. In fact, when he wrote them, do you know where he was? Anybody know where he was down front? Prison. That's exactly right. He was in jail. No wonder you're an angel over here. Was that the angels? <laughs> this is a, do you actually have a parent here? Is this a legitimate angel? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, you do. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There they are. They're right, right down front. Right down front. No, that's, that's, what, no, that's, that's exactly right. He was in jail. Isn't that amazing? Here's Paul. He's not just having a horrible, what we might call a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. He's having a week, months, extended unknown length of time. I'm in jail. I'm in prison. Surely most of us say, sure, well, you know, you just need to kind of just, it's okay, Paul. Just be done. You know what Paul says? Eight times in this little letter he writes from prison, he talks about rejoicing. Four times he talks about how he's rejoicing. And four times he encourages the people he's writing to to rejoice. Paul understood something about how to be joyful no matter what. And Paul wasn't a guy who just ignored and just pretend like everything's okay. He just understood something. And I want to read you one more verse he wrote because this verse is the key. This verse is, so how do you do it? How do you, even in the midst of challenging times, even when it's not going well, how do you still rejoice in the Lord when all the things around you are not how you'd hope? And in this verse comes from Philippians 1. 18 and, and 19, he says this. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know, Paul knew something. What did Paul know? That through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, the bad things, the terrible things, will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, it will turn out. For my deliverance. See, Paul could say rejoice in the Lord always because he says, I know through your prayers as we partner with God and pray into things, God's powerful. And he's given us Jesus' spirit. We can have his spirit that lives within us and that is at work in this world. And he says, through God, through what I know he's doing, no matter what happens to me, it will turn out for my deliverance. It will be used for my ultimate good. You know the key to rejoicing no matter what is, is we're talking right now Christmas, the thrill of hope, is if our hope is in God and we trust in him and in his power, then we trust that no matter what's happening now, in the long run, things are going to turn out for our good. And Paul knew how to live, not in the what's happening right now, but in the turnout. Can I tell you, he might have said to Alexander, you know what? Even though you didn't get the treat in your breakfast cereal, God can use that to teach you to be joyful when other people get things and not to, not to always have to have something from yourself. He could have said to Alexander, when you got the middle seat in the carpool and you were all squished, that's where you learn sometimes it's better to, to give others, you know, the better positions and the better things in life and to be happy for them and not to focus on ourselves. No matter what, if we see it in light of God, he can use it to help things turn out for our good. Do you know I had a, a, a guy in our connect group, we met in our connect group this last week, and one of the, the guys in our group was talking about how, here it is, it's Christmas time, it's coming up to Christmas, 
You know, you're planning presents for kids, was planning a trip for his kids, all these things. And what should happen, but the gearbox goes on the truck. You know, this time of year, and it was going to be $4,000 to repair. Now, how many of us, when you get older, you, it's just one of those days, and you're like, whoa, out of nowhere, unforeseen. And it just, you're just like, ah. Oh. It just brings you down. And now you're trying to figure out how you're going to make these things work, all the difficulties. And he was talking about how, so he was feeling really down about all this, but he said, but you know what was amazing? There was one day, and I'd been down for a few days, and he said, and I was driving along, and I just thought, I just need to put on some, some praise and worship music, some of the kind of songs we were singing today, songs about God, about who he is. And he said, so I just put it on, and I started listening to that, kind of singing along. And he said, you know what I was amazed at? My whole spirit started to change. And I started to just think about all the things God has given me already, all the blessings I have in my life, that I have kids, and they're healthy, and all these. And he said, my whole attitude, and I was just began to be thankful. And he's like, and so you know what? It just kind of changed my whole spirit. This is the power of rejoicing in the Lord. It doesn't mean all our problems just go away, but it means we have this shift that we know when we focus on him, changes how we see everything that happens in our lives. And I just want to encourage you, you know, to think about this, this Christmas, you know, what, what do you know? What are you focused on? And encourage you that maybe if you find yourself having one of those days or weeks or this time, it's not to ignore the realities of what happens in our life, but to know this. When we focus not on what's just happening right now, but on the power of God, and we trust that in the long run, in the long run, things will turn out for our good, then we can know joy no matter what. And I want to encourage you, you might be somebody who doesn't normally come to church. Maybe your kids are here. Welcome to you. So good to have you here today. And if you think, you know what, I, is that really possible? Could you really know this joy? Are all these kids, young people, really as happy as they look today? Is this community of people really like this? It's not a fake. It's not that our lives are perfect, but we found a joy that goes deeper than what's happening right now. And if you want to know more about that, I encourage you, you know, come along Christmas Eve, come along on Sundays. We're just a community of people who keep journeying and learning more about this together and just want to invite you into that. I'm going to pray for us right now and pray that each one of us might know uh, more and more of that joy in Jesus. Dear God, we just thank you that you are powerful, that you love us, that you came at Christmas, and that, Lord, no matter what happens in our lives, you want to use it to turn out for our good. May we know joy that comes from that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.